All the people did what, what, what seemed right in their own eyes. In those days, there was no king. And so everybody just sort of made it up as they went. It sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? They said, hey, I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. But back then, they didn't really care if they hurt anybody because they weren't as civilized as we are today. Yet it was the same idea, and it turned out to be a total, total disaster. So that is where we began last week. Now, what is so interesting is that the book of Judges ends like a really bad nightmare. Okay, it's like a horror movie. It's like a horror story. It's very bad. I mean, it's just this awful, awful, tragic story. And if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go read that. Uh, Judges chapter 18 through 21. It's such a, it's very powerful, but it's also very sad what happened to the people of Israel. And, uh, you know, it's like the worst story in ancient literature. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this, the story just ends. That's how it ends. There is no hero. No one comes to save the day. There, no one is redeemed. Nothing good comes out of it. It just ends with this statement. And in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. But today, we're actually going to go back to the beginning of the book of Judges. Okay, And the beginning is so funny in contrast to the end because the beginning of the book of Judges is like the last night of church camp. Okay, The beginning of the book of Judges is like the, is the very last night of youth camp. Have you ever been to preteen camp or teen camp? Okay, And for those of you who grew up going to church camp, we all have something in common. And if you didn't grow up going to church camp, this is going to be really odd to you. Okay, And if you think Christians are weird now... This will just underscore it a little bit further, okay? But the last night of church camp is like kind of a big deal, right? Either the last night or the night before. It's a big deal. It's a really important night because the students, they've been there all week and they've been singing worship songs and people have been preaching about the scriptures and it's super emotional and you got girls, they're crying everywhere, right? It's like a, an epidemic that just spread across camp. All the girls are crying. And, uh, you know, people are thinking about the changes that they want to make in their own lives. And so what happens is that on the last night of camp, everybody makes a big commitment. Remember this? Everybody makes a big commitment. They decide that they're going to go home. They're going to go home. They're going to break up with their boyfriend. They're going to break up with their girlfriend. Or they're going to patch things up with their parents because that's a really big deal. And then they're pretty much going to quit everything, right? I mean, they're not going to hang out with the wrong friends anymore. They're not going to sneak out at night anymore. They pretty much quit their whole life. And it really is sincere. It really is. I mean, I really believe it is. I mean, I grew up going to teen camp and, and pre-teen camp and these camps that we have. And those are important commitments. And they're the right commitments. But it's like a big Kleenex fest. And then everybody goes to their cabins and they tell their counselors and their small group leaders and, you know, uh, you know, the girls are crying and the guys actually get in more trouble the last night of camp. It's, you know, the guys sometimes, they're just, they miss it, you know. But um, it's a very, very good thing. I love you guys, you know, but I was one of them. And, uh, you know, it's a very, very good thing. So the book of Judges begins like the last night of church camp. And what happens is Joshua is about to die and he gathers the whole nation of Israel and he's about to leave them and send them off on their own. And so he gives them this big speech. And here's just a little bit of a snapshot of what Joshua says. 
in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and Egypt and serve the Lord. And serve the Lord. He says, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped. This is basically code for break up with your girlfriend. Break up with your boyfriend. Get rid of your cigarettes. Get rid of the hidden stash. Get rid of all those things that are polluting your life. Get rid of them and serve God. And so he gives them this long speech, and here is how the people respond in 24, verse 16. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods! Exclamation point. Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Hey, don't you worry, Joshua. You don't have to worry about us. When you're gone, we are going to remain faithful. We are going to remain faithful. And they continue in verse 17. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us on our parents out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. I mean, we don't want to go back to that. We remember what it was like when we served that other king, Joshua. We remember when Pharaoh was our king. We don't ever want to go back and serve a foreign king again. We remember what that was like, Joshua. We remember it was all about slavery. And then they said this in verse 18. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. In other words, the people are saying we made a decision that God is our king and he gave us a law so you don't have to worry about us, Joshua, because we remember the stories our parents and our grandparents told us about what it was like in Egypt. We remember the stories about what it was like to be under the authority of a foreign king. We will never, ever go back there. And then if you read the text, it's so interesting because it's like Joshua starts to taunt the people. It's like he starts to tease them. He's saying, I bet you will go back. I bet you will. And, and, and the people are going, no, 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 no. We promise we will not go back. And he's going, I'm telling you, you think you're not going to go back. You think that this is going to be easy. You think you've learned your lesson. You think you remember the pain and the sorrow that came along with compromising God's word. You think you know. Joshua 24, verse 21. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua says, okay, I've warned you. And then Joshua dies. And the people were in the land saying, you know, God is awesome. And, you know, we're going to keep God's law. And the flowers over Joshua's tomb hadn't even died yet. When lo and behold, the scriptures tell us, the, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and served the Baals. I mean, they hadn't even changed clothes hardly from Joshua's funeral. And the next thing you know, they're looking around doing exactly the thing that Joshua had warned them about. They're doing the thing that they swore that they would never do. In other words, they got home from camp 
And they kept doing the things they said they weren't going to do anymore. They kept doing the things that they did before they went to camp. And it goes on in verse 12. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people's around them. They started looking around and going, hey, we want some of that. Hey, you know, that kind of, that kind of, I kind of like that. That looks good. I mean, everybody else is doing it in the land of Canaan. That's kind of how you do it here, God. I mean, you just kind of, you know, go with the flow and that's how everybody else does it here in Canaan. And, you know, that's what we're going to do. We don't want to be weird, you know. Uh, We don't want to be so strange. You know, we don't want to be so differentiated from the nations around us. And the next thing you know, they abandoned the invisible God. They abandoned God, the law of God, and they just immersed themselves completely into the culture of the Canaanites right after Joshua warned them. Right after they swore they would never go back. And they aroused the Lord's anger. Because they forsook him and they served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Now Baal, we know, is a, is a, is a god of the, the foreign people. And Ashtoreth was basically the female counterpart of Baal. And the problem with worshiping Baal wasn't simply only that Baal was represented by idols. Okay, which we know the Israelites were not supposed to have any image that represented God. That was like a big no-no for the Jewish people. But one of the primary problems with everything that went along with worshiping Baal and his female deity was that when things got desperate, they would actually sacrifice their children. They would sacrifice their children. When things got really, really desperate, you know, they would sacrifice groups of children. And when things got even worse, when there wasn't any rain, when there was a famine, or there was enemies surrounding every side of their lands, it was even recorded at one point, they gathered all the sons and daughters of the rich people in Canaan, and they slaughtered all of them to get the attention of their gods. And God is going, you can't be a part of that. You can't be a part of that. But the next thing you know, the people of Israel have immersed themselves into this horrible, horrible, horrible culture. And so it says in verse 14, In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. This is so sad. It continues. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. They were in great distress. Basically, God said, okay, you like the Canaanites? Well, how about I let you be conquered by the very people you have copied? How about I let you be conquered by the very culture that you have adopted? You abandoned me freely. You have embraced their ways freely. But hello, you just lost what was most important to you, your freedom. You lost your freedom. Don't you remember what it was like in Egypt? Actually, you don't because you weren't there. But you've heard the stories of what it was like when your ancestors were in Egypt. Don't you remember how excited your ancestors were when they were no longer under the authority of this pagan pharaoh? And now you have willingly disobeyed and walked away from God to embrace the culture 
of the Canaanites. Well, if you like it so much, have at it. Go ahead. Have at it. And the next thing they knew, they weren't simply conquering the nations around them. They were being conquered by the nations around them because they forsook the Lord. They followed the people around them and they surrendered their freedom. They forsook the Lord. They abandoned him. They left him to follow everyone else. And they end up, ended up surrendering their own freedom. And here is the point of today's message, okay? Here is the point of today's message. Here's the thing that always slips on by us. Here's the thing that we never see coming until it's too late. Here's the thing that puts us in that cycle of I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. Now I'm doing what I want, with whom I want, when I want. Uh-oh. I'm doing what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and I don't like it. And the thing is, I can't quit. I can't stop. That Israel simply traded one king for another. They traded one king for another, and they were no longer able to resist. They willingly walked away from God and then found themselves in a place that they could not freely go back to the way it was before. Now, there's such a huge lesson in this for all of us. Because every one of us here this morning, you have your own story. You have your own story. Whether you're a disciple, whether you're here this morning and you're a disciple, you're a follower of Jesus, and you've been in the church for a while. I mean, you've been around for a while. Or you grew up in the church you were raised in the church and you've heard all the stuff that Jesus taught. I mean, you know right from wrong. Even your own conscience is like, it's like tied into what the verses say. And then you said, I will never do that. I will never go back to that. And then at some point in your life, you decided, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm tired of being good. Or maybe it wasn't a decision that you made. Maybe it was a slow, gradual process of slipping into being comfortable. Complacency. Or you started compromising your beliefs little by little by little. And one day, you found yourself far away from God. Maybe you're here today and you're not a disciple. Maybe you're here today and you just grew up in a good home and you knew what right, what right was and you knew what wrong was and you knew the difference between both of those things. And uh, somewhere along the way, you decided, you know what? I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. I want to live my own life without someone telling me what to do. I don't need a king. And I certainly don't need a God in my life to tell me what to do. And then one day you woke up and you realized, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I didn't gain freedom. My expression of freedom actually resulted in a loss of freedom. And the reason is we just traded one king for another. You traded one king for another. Now this may be offensive. What I'm about to say might be a little bit offensive, okay? So don't tune me out, okay? Don't tune me out. 
But you need to understand this, okay? You are created. Did you hear me? You are created, which means there is a creator, right? Which means you weren't created to be your own king. You weren't created to be your own king. You and I were created, and here's the offensive part, you and I were created to be ruled over. We were created to be ruled over, which means when you say no to one king, we are willingly putting ourselves before another king. You are bowing down to something else. There's no such thing as absolute and total autonomy. There is no such thing as that. You were created to be ruled, and when you say no to the creator king, you simply choose a different king. For example, I have a list here. For some of you, it's the king of appetite. Your desires rule you, right? Isn't this the I want what I want, when I want, with whom I want? Isn't that it, right? And one day you choose your appetite over God saying, God, I'm tired of saying no. God, I'm tired of wrestling with this temptation. God, I'm tired of feeling like I'm a failure spiritually. So I'm just going to give in to this appetite. I'm not going to fight it anymore. And then a few weeks, a few months, and a few years later, all of a sudden you can't say no. And you're ruled by this appetite. You're ruled by it. And it dawns on you, oh no, I just traded one king for another insecurity. You know, maybe one of the problems with you is you want to be a disciple. I mean, you really sincerely, you want to be a disciple, but where you work and where you live and where you go to school, being a disciple is so weird. Can you relate? And it kind of plays on your insecurities. I mean, people know that you're different, so they don't even invite you to stuff that's going on, right? They don't even invite you to anything that's going on. They kind of quit talking when you walk by. You're walking by and it gets really quiet, right? And it kind of plays on your security, so you decide, I'm just going to quit playing this game of Christianity and just do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. I just want to be a part of that group. And all of a sudden, your insecurity is what? It's ruling you. It's ruling you. Your insecurity is ruling you. Fear, comparison, lust. Okay, I don't need to explain that one. And as I look at this list, lust is the one I identify with a lot. And it breaks my heart when I think about it, but coming from a past where I indulge myself in stuff I shouldn't have been looking at, I know very easily that could be a king that can rule me over. And it's still, I got to fight that king every day. Every day. Lust, greed, consumption, what you spend your money on, right? And then there's family history. Let's, let's talk a little bit about family history for a minute. Because for some of you, the number one goal in your life is, I will not be like my dad. I will not be like my mom. My family will not be like my family of origin. History will not repeat itself. And then at some point along the way, you abandon God. And you come up with all these excuses to walk away, and then you walk away from your creator. And let me just tell you something. And you don't have to believe me, okay? I know I'm young, okay? 
It's okay. You don't have to believe me. All right? When a man or a woman intentionally or accidentally walks away and turns their back on God, you can mark it down on your calendar. You can mark it down on your calendar. Your family history will repeat itself. It will. You were made to be ruled, not controlled. Okay? You know the difference? You were made to be ruled, not controlled. And the best bet for breaking the chain of your family history is not doing what you want, when you want, with whom you want. That's how your family history got to the place where it, where it began. That's how it started. And when you say, I'll never be like my dad, I'll never be like my mom, my family, it's going to be so much different. And then you ask the question, well, what went wrong in the previous generation? Chances are somebody did what they wanted, when they wanted, with whom they wanted. And if you do the same thing, history will repeat itself because you have simply surrendered your life to another king. That's all you've done. And you know how it starts. You know how the little kings do this. All the kings, little kings, they tempt us with this idea, be your own man. Be your own man. Be your own woman. Be your own woman. Right? Just say this right here, I won't. Just say, I won't. I won't obey. I'm not going to be morally pure. I'm not going to tell the truth. I'm not going to live on a budget. That's hard. I'm not going to do what... You tell me to do. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. And, and, and don't let anybody tell you what to do. And all the little kings say, yeah, 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 that's good. Say it. Repeat it. That's our motto. That's our bottom line. That's our marching order. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Then you wake up and you find yourself saying this, I can't. I can't stop. I can't get away. I can't back out. I can't change. I want to change. I want to change and go back to the way it was. I want to change and go back to the days when I had a clear conscience. I want to go back to the days when people didn't like me, but at least I liked myself. I want to go back to the days when I connected in a healthy community, surrounded by people going in the direction I always wanted to go. And I can't seem to get back there. Because the little kings of lust, greed, comparison, insecurity, and fear, newsflash, they don't love you. They don't love you. They don't have your best interest in mind. And they tempt you with, just say you won't. Just say you won't. And so one day you find yourself saying, I can't. I can't. So here's my question this morning. Why is it always easier? to say no to God than it is to say no to the things you substitute for God. Just think about it. Why is it always easier to say, God, I'm not doing that anymore. God, I'm leaving. God, I have it with her. God, I am not going to forgive him. God, look, you know, I'm a junior in high school. Okay, I'm a senior in high school. So just shut your eyes for like the next nine months and I'll be back later. Right? Why is it always easier to say no to God than it is to say no to the things you substitute for God? Why was it so much easier to say, God, I know she's not good for me. God, I know he's not good for me. I know, I know, I know. But God, I'm going to do what I want to do. 
Why was it so much easier to say no to God than it is now that you're in that relationship? Why is it so much more difficult to say no to the created thing than it is to the creator? You know, why was it so much easier to say, no, God, I'm just so tired of struggling with this same thing. God, I'm just going to give myself to this. God, everybody needs a break, right? Everybody needs a habit. Everybody kind of has their thing, right, God? So, God, I, I, I know what you think, and I know what my conscience is telling me, and I know how I was raised, but you know what? I'm going ha- to have this in my life, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Why was it so much easier to say no, God, than it is to say no to the thing that has now become your addiction, to the thing that is now controlling you, to the thing that is wrecking you financially? Why is it so much more difficult to say no to that than your creator king? You want to know? No one? You want to know? I'll tell you. Okay. Well, I don't want to show that one yet. That's a good one. All right. The substitute kings, they are not merciful. The substitute kings are not merciful. They do not love you. They will control you. They will take away your freedom. And the truth is, if you don't get anything else out of this lesson, just, just write this down. Maximum freedom is found under the authority of God. Maximum freedom is not found under the little kings. It is found under the authority of God. And that's why it's so easy to say no to God than it is to the substitute kings. Because guess what? God gives you a choice to say no. But when you're under these little kings, they're not as merciful. And once they got a grip on you, they're not going to let you go. Now, at the end of this little piece of history, here's how it ends as we close out this message. In in Judges chapter 3, verse 8, it says, The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so that he sold them into the hands of uh, Cushan Rishathim. Cushan Rishathim. I think that's how you say it. Cushan Rishathim, king of Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. It's like God said, Okay. You like the Canaanite ways? Why don't I give you a Canaanite king? I mean, at least you could pronounce my name, right? And for eight years, and for eight years, they suffered at the hands of a man whose culture they had adopted. They suffered under a king whose gods they had chosen to worship for eight long years. And then at the end of the eight years, okay, this is getting good. Okay, I'm serious. Just listen, please. At the end of the eight years, they did what some of you have done. They did what some of you are thinking about doing. They did what some of you need to do. They threw up their hands and said, oh God, we have sinned. Oh God, we went for the very things you warned us about. Oh God, we thought that in expressing our independence, somehow we would gain more freedom And God, we realize now that in living out our independence, we didn't gain freedom, we gave it away. And we have been conquered by the very thing and culture we have copied. And listen, listen, listen. And oh God, would you deliver us? God, would you deliver us? You know what God said? He said, yes. He said, yes, because you are still my people. You are still 
my people. And one of the most amazing things that's illustrated throughout the history of Israel is that God is a God of mercy. But he is so merciful that he will not force his way on you. He will actually let you choose. And you know why you get to choose? You know why it's so easy to say no to God? Because maximum freedom is found under the authority of God. And he does not want to control you. He does not want to control you. Instead, God wants to love you and he wants you to love him back. There was a line that I had read. I have this really cool like, life application Bible and I was reading through Genesis and Adam and Eve and there was a statement in there that has resonated in my heart ever since I've read it. And it says that devotion is only real unless unfaithfulness is a possibility. Devotion is only real when unfaithfulness is a possibility. Because if you didn't have a choice, we would just be a bunch of robots walking around. And the only way for you to have a love relationship with God is for him to give you the freedom to go when you want and to express grace and mercy to receive you when you come back. And just as he took Israel back over and over and over, he will take you back today, right now, over and over. But here's where, you know, the pastor heart in me comes out. Nothing gives me, you know, when I see somebody restored or I see somebody come back to the faith, Nothing gives me greater joy than that to celebrate when somebody has returned from serving the little kings. But the tragedy is you can't get your teenage years back. And you can't get your 20s back and you can't get your 30s back and on it goes. And you can't reparent your children. You can't show up to the things that you should have shown up at and you can't have your first marriage again and you can't have these things. Once those years and experiences are gone, they're gone. And they were wasted serving the little kings that do not care about your future. They don't care. And the bottom line is this. I'm, I'm, I'm closing this out. And the bottom line is this. In our attempt to do what we want, when we want, with whom we want, you need to understand and do not be deceived. All you do is trade one king for another. Whenever you choose to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, and you put God in the rearview mirror, you have not chosen independence. You have simply traded one king for another. And so as we pray for communion, I want you to reflect on the God of mercy that's ready to take you back. I don't know where you are this morning, but this is for all of us. This is for me. None of us can sit here and go, I don't struggle with that. Okay, we all have some of this in us. And so just, I want you to just, in your prayer, just cry out to God and say, thank you. God, I want to I follow you. I want you to be my king. And help me walk away from these kings in my life. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for the message this morning. And, um, you know, God, we are nothing. And God, I look at my life and all the mistakes that I've made and all the bad choices I've made. And God, I've, I have chosen many times to walk away and serve the little kings of fear, of lust, of insecurity, of greed, of comparison. And yet, 
God, when we are ready to come back and surrender it all, you take us back. And I pray that it's sincere, God. I pray that we would come before you and just be grateful. That we would put the excuses behind us and stop blaming other people. And take responsibility and follow you. And thank you for Jesus who gave his life. We are forever just grateful and in your debt, God. We love you so much. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.